Welcome to the podcast. The Eating Hipster Movie Show. Where we watch our favorite movies. The Eating Hipster Movie Show. Tell you why we like them. The Eating Hipster Movie Show. Everything we love in the cinema. It's the Eating Hipster Movie Show. Welcome to The Aging Hipster. This is Bob Serrano. This week, we watched 1990s classic teen movie, Pump Up the Volume. It's time to play that Leonard Cohen vi- vinyl, eat that stick of blackjack gum, and talk hard. Let's meet the rest of the hipsters today. First up is former college DJ, webmaster Toby Crines. How are you doing, Toby? Uh, great, Bob. Thanks for asking. You're a kind <laughs> gentleman. <laughs> so if you happen to be in Decatur, Illinois, in the ni- late 1990s, maybe early 2000s, you might have run across Toby being the, uh, doing some of the college DJ stuff. Did you ju- do it for one year? I can't remember. Oh, no. Toby. oh, no. I, all four? All four. I'm surprised <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> well, but I, I remember one time Colin and I went and visited you, and we thought we gave a like a transcendent uh, radio <laughs> episode but it was mainly me passed out drunk on the bottom of the studio just rambling can you remember your most successful show that was it that was, that was the most <laughs> successful one it went downhill from there unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> oh okay second up is our film expert from 10 monsters tape freaks and video killers podcast please check out his new podcast uh what episode are you on now five six uh, I think we just posted six, I believe. Something like that. It is Tim Holly. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing well. Tim, How- guess what just popped up on Amazon Prime? I I don't know. Pump up the volume. We almost didn't do this. Yeah. Wait, it's on Amazon Prime now? Yeah, I, I checked it today. It like the thing was like, so our guest Tom Mullen was just like, Hey, I want to do pump up the volume. I was like, Great. And I sent it to Tim and Toby, and Tim's like, I don't know where to find this movie. And yeah. until I found it like on this internet archive thing. But today I was just like kind of doing research and all this kind of stuff. And it's on Amazon Prime. So yeah. what was kind of holding this up? I would bet that the, the version on Amazon Prime is a bootleg. Amazon's very notorious for just al- allowing anybody to upload stuff. So I would, would guess that if anybody sees it, they might flag it and it might get pulled. So really? Anybody, but yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of things, especially recently, where things have been up and down on Amazon Prime where people will upload. All they have to do is check a box and say, like, I own this movie. And then it's like they don't have to prove anything. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's you crazy. Know that, oh, that's funny because on there, they had the director as just the initials AM, not like Alan Moyle. Oh. So it probably would, it wouldn't come up in all the searches or something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't but oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's notoriously a, a movie that probably will never officially get released. Or if it does, it's going to take a lot of work because of all the music in it. Uh, it was it was released by New World Pictures, who was then absorbed by Turner Classics, and then this movie ended up in the Warner archive some, at some point. Like Warner owns it, but in that all those transitions, the music licensing all got lost in the shuffle. So in order for them to actually like legally upload this, they would have to relicense every single song in the movie, which should be probably very cost prohibitive. That's what I was, I was. I was really proud of Hot to Trot because they were able to get theirs digitized. <laughs> yeah, had to try. It's definitely like out in front of all this stuff. But somewhere in Arizona, there are some rebels that uploaded. It. They took uh, that last speech to heart. They, yeah. You can't keep them down. Maybe, maybe um, yeah, yeah. And Tim, before uh, we get to our, our special guest, we do have a serious issue right here. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we went through the following review. It says uh, great with perchance for nostalgia, 
perfect mixture of laughs and facts. Highly enjoyable show to listen on the daily commute. Only four stars. And at the time, Toby, what was your reaction? Well, I'm just saying, like, this is like a glowing review. Where's the fifth star? <laughs> and at the at the time, the, the name is Greg Caps. Mm-hmm. Greg with two G's. Mm-hmm. Caps. And it, it, it all fit together because the name of your co-host for Video Killers <laughs> is what? Greg K. Yep, Greg, Greg Capsalis. What is it? What is it going to take to get a fifth star? You know what? I just, in fact, for Video Killers, I just uh, filled out a new uh, review. Said a fantastic podcast <laughs> at the top of its craft. Two stars. Oh no! <laughs> I did, so, but I so should. It's, it's a ransom to get Greg to up as his to, to five. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, what do we have to do? And it was what funny is that we said that. And it just didn't, uh, it took months before it kind of occurred to me. So. I didn't realize that it was even him because you said it was Greg Caps. And I was like, who, I don't know a Greg Caps. That doesn't make any sense. But it was, yeah, it's, it mm-hmm. was Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So that mystery is over. So let's get to our special guest. So really, I, I have done this entire podcast over 60 episodes just to make an excuse to get this guy on our podcast. What do you mean he, make an excuse? No. <laughs> To show a body of work that you take me seriously enough to come oh, on, right. oh, to seriously? Be able, yeah, to be able to talk about um, whether Woodwater is actually a good promise ring album, which is. is going to take about thirty minutes. But it, it is. <laughs> yes, so, so he's finally on. He picked our movie. He's the writer, podcaster, mu- music industry vet, and Yoda on the emo council. It's Tom Mullen from Washed Up Emo. Welcome, Tom. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. So first, you have some pretty big news. You have a new. Um, you've literally written the book on emo. Uh, you you released Volume One uh, like a year or two ago, right? And recently, you came out with Volume Two of the anthology of emo. Uh, can you tell us about the book and where to find it? Yes. So the book is uh, anthology of emo, and the idea was I'd had the book series or I had the podcast for seven years eight years at the time and i was like you know what i love books how cool would it be if a podcast could be a book and i didn't know how to do it i didn't know who to call and a random friend that had been to our dj night and actually was just a mutual friend of someone else said hey uh i design books if you ever do a book um i want to help you and it was really cool so we met we talked about it and the idea was to make it serious because when people think of the word emo there's a giggle there's a laugh there's a snarky comment about tight pants that's obviously not the full story and so the idea was uh to do this book and i did the first volume i diy'd it myself uh paid for everything um polyvinyl was awesome enough to take the books um in their warehouse because i didn't have enough room in my 466 square foot apartment or whatever it was and so sold out in six months it's crazy. I had no idea that people um, were going to buy this. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to take that money that I made and put it into volume two. And uh, so I'm really excited and people can check it out at anthologyofemo.com. I hope to do more volumes. I hope to do them as long as I can, because I will never catch up uh, with the amount of podcasts that I have or will do. And the book will probably never keep up. So as long as I'm alive, I'll probably keep doing the volumes. And they just recently made it into Ohio State, the Ohio State University Library, right? 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. People have been tagging, you know, kid from Belgium today, someone from Japan, someone from Australia uh, posting about it. And also University of Maryland has a zine archive. Actually, it has Ian Mackay's uh, zines and it's run by John Davis from Q and Not You. And they oh. are also in uh, University of Maryland zine archive. So it's like I get chills thinking about that. Like it's like sitting in this place with like Ian's personal zine collection. So I'm stoked that Ohio is because that's a huge school. And like to think that someone could check it out is mind blowing to me. You know, books were a big deal to me. And so uh, growing up and uh, so it's just kind of a I think it lends itself. And I just want to quickly say the timing of this movie and the timing of what Spotify has just done with radio and music and then the messaging and public the volume of right before an election, there's a lot of like weird synergies that we'll probably get into. But I just as I was thinking today, I'm like, wait a minute, there's a lot of things converging tonight. So I'm excited to chat about the movie. I'm glad you guys were stoked to do this one. Yeah, absolutely. And so you so your website, Wash Up Emo, that's where you, you started that in 2007, correct? Yes. And that started to start off as like a fan site, right? I was just angry. So I was living in Albany, New York. Have you guys ever been to Albany, New York? Yes. You know what? Oh, I have an I have an emo Albany story. So I I took a. I already know what it is. I already know where you went. Keep going. Okay. So I went there. I don't know what it is, but I went there. Uh, My friends and I, uh, Bill Hansen and Jesse Nelson, Toby, went to Niagara Falls. This whole thing. I figured out that Hey Mercedes was playing a show in Albany, New York. I rerouted our entire trip to go there. Say it with two L's. Albany. 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 Like pretend it's like Albany. Yeah. Albany. I I don't want anybody sending in hate mail and giving you guys four stars. Trying to help, Bob. No, that's that's just people that are friends of us that do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyways, so we go out there. They're playing the show. Pieballs headlining. Hammer says after there. Oh, it's a good thing. My friends have no idea who these guys are. I'm getting drunk and just like whatever. And uh, um, I was like, dude, like I'm from Illinois. I. I went to school 45 minutes south of Champaign-Urbana. Like, come on. Like, we're like people. We're a tribe, right? And so I was all excited that I was going to end up uh, becoming friends with Bob, Nana, and all that and that crew. Nice. But I get so drunk, and I just spent the whole time uh, shouting braid songs for them to play. <laughs> and uh, they, they were not happy with me. I tried to go up afterwards, be like, hey, man. I was like, I'm from, like, Charleston or whatever. And he's like... We're not from Champagne. We're from Chicago. I just like, <laughs> like shot down so hard. But anyways, so that's my Albany emo story. Can continue on. So I was in Albany and I was working at Equal Vision Records uh, at the time. It was my dream label. It's actually how I got into the music industry is because of that label um, through another band on the label. So I'm there and there's nothing to do on Friday nights. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't party. I just listen to music and play video games and uh uh, you know, worry about emo bands. And I just was so angry at the time because in 2007, if you search Sunny Day Real Estate online, I know this is hard to understand for many people that are listening, but there was nothing online. And so I started to think like, well, let me talk about these bands. Let me start writing about them. Mm-hmm. And I was really angry early on, uh, super angry because that was like heyday you know, baloney stuff, like pop stuff. And so it was a very fun like time, but it slowly morphed over the years and I got less angry 
Uh, and then 2011, I started the podcast because uh, I was like, oh, I think I know a bunch of these people from working in the music industry. Maybe they can just come on and chat. And I also have college radio experience, too. I did college radio for four years in, co- in uh, college and super fun. So I kind of already had interviewed bands or at least punished them. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I had so- I had some knowledge to be able to start this. And then you have some pretty active Instagram and Facebook groups. And that's where I found your stuff. Um, oh, awesome. Um, it's just like so actually I, I am a member of both of those and so i've known of your work for a while and just in terms it's just really nice to be able like to have a place where like for myself i'm a a big fan of that kind of like i guess i consider it like golden era of emo like you know 90s midwestern stuff like that kind of stuff it's nice to have like a a community where you can get excited about i don't know elliot or something you know right. out of nowhere you know or like you post something about jets to brazil and everyone's like oh that's great and so that's the great part of the internet and technology and all this kind of stuff we'll get into kind of the darker stuff a little bit later i think but like <laughs> right, the darker stuff we'll talk about later but i agree with you it is and i am just some random person i just yeah. happen to know a few people to like get in the door and work in the music industry for the last 20 years at labels but it's it is another life and it's been cool the doors that have opened because of it. And I think when you guys are doing this podcast, you guys do like a like a movie one, like you're putting something out there in the world and people are responding and listening to and you have connections. And so doing a podcast led to X, Y, and Z. And I think the same yeah. thing happened. So it's just this, it's it's very fitting with the movie tonight as well. But um, I find it so amazing how many people I've met um, because of me being angry about a word and telling people about it and people somehow listened. So really quickly, Toby, what comes to your mind when when the word emo comes up? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think I scared. I think I no, no, I I I liked emo, but what 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 comes to mind is um so I had a, a guy who lived next to me who was I think no, no, it was this guy John Gashevsky who was really into emo, and he was telling me at the time like, no, those bands you're talking about aren't emo. <laughs> That's <crazy laughs> I remember. Like, I'm like, I love emo. Here are the bands I love, and he'd be like, no, dude, you don't know emo. Have you guys ever been to isthisbandemo.com? Yes. <laughs> so that's that was yeah. just a joke. And I did in 2014 to be like, how many bands can I put in this database and see if I can piss off all a- absolute punk? And it totally worked. And I've just been <laughs> continuing to put stuff in there and people will find out about it and get angry. Phoebe Bridgers found it like like six months ago, which was hilarious. So yeah, super random. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, oh, I mentioned... Sorry, last thing. I was with... I was in Albany and Thursday came to the office and they were like, how do we get to Saratoga Winners? And this is a movie reference. I literally just said, go on this road and look for the place that looks like Roadhouse. <laughs> and and it's and i got to the show they finished and after they were i was they were like those directions were hilarious because it's exactly how you found the place because it just <laughs> looks like patrick swayze walking out of his car walking into the so yeah. that'll be another episode <laughs> exactly but toby what's what's the best part of emo is that no one agrees what emo is and it's in fact 90 percent of the uh, bands and fans seem to refuse to acknowledge that it exists Tom, why is that? <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting uh, question that I've struggled with for years. And the problem was, is that even when it was first uttered in Washington, D.C. as a dig on a band um, <laughs> wearing that was emo core, it had like a jock sort of like edge to it mm-hmm. that's permeated 
from that moment and it's and it's and it's marginalized the word is seen as you're a less of a band you're not in you know you're not indie rock you're not super chunk oh it's emo so it's always got this tendency to it and it slowly the 90s had a little bit of a a, a jaunt but then as soon as sort of a, i call it like post bleed american you know and the, it just it got so popular and so fast and on the radio on MTV it was mass media that it just everyone ran away and so there are people that I've actually reached out to for years that said no. They're finally starting to say yes uh, to the podcast. I mean, this is years of me. They know me. We've hung out. And each time I talk to them, and they're like, you ready? And they're like, no, I don't want to talk about it. So it's just, it's a, it's a very, I mean, I actually, the episode that I'm launching in two hours, the guy doesn't do interviews and finally talked about the word. And it took years and years of people. So it's got this weird tendon or uh, piece on it that I don't think any other genre has had to deal with. I mean, metals, hair metal, everyone's so cool with hair metal now. Everyone's mm-hmm. fine with, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm sure Pitchfork's about to write something about ska pretty soon, you know, mm-hmm. and like how the squirrel nut zippers like save the world. Like that's coming. But <laughs> for some reason, this word continues to have this sort of uh, stank on it. And I hope at some point when someone after me searches emo in the web browser or whatever exists, then it isn't just top 10, you know, ways to do eyeliner. It maybe my, maybe my interview pops up somewhere on page eight, maybe it's somewhere. And that's (laughs) all I hope. And that's, what's crazy because it's like this, this genre has like this exterior of black eyeliner and bad haircuts, but inside there is like the, is like the little core of the stuff that I loved you know, whatever, 20 years ago of like, you know, like the promise ring and stuff like that and mineral and, you know, those nobody wore that kind of stuff at the time. It's like they were just kind of wearing regular stuff. They're just like regular guys. And it's just crazy. And then, yeah, after that, once like, I guess it was like that new, there was that new generation of like fallout boy and whoever my chemical romance or whatever starts coming up. I think that's when I don't know what, where I'm going, but that's when people really got defensive about the word because they're like, there's no way we're like My Chemical Romance, you know? Right. There's some interviews that they'll, I mean, uh, if you listen to the Connor Oberst interview um, mm-hmm. that I just did, he has this part where he just goes like, yeah, and then all this other stuff started happening and I didn't know. Like he, you could yeah. see he was so confused on what, like, what do you mean? I don't hear any X, Y, and Z. And a genre can change. A genre can morph. My whole thing is, at least know that there's a history and to say that I used to listen to it or I don't anymore. And then I'm nostalgic about it for one night. Doesn't really, I think again, doesn't show the full breadth of what the genre is. And so that's the, I think that's the biggest struggle that if you say it on TV, I mean, even my own coworkers will like crack a joke about it and I'll just deadpan. I'm like, you guys are wrong. Like if you, and so it's this constant joke and even writers and people on Twitter, it's always a punchline. And so I hope one day that it's not a punchline. So I remember John Gashevsky telling me like the, the trademark of a good emo song was like, it was kind of like droning, droning, droning. And then it hit this awesome part and it would blow your mind. Then it would drone again and it hit another awesome like change and like it would blow your mind again. And it was, he described it as very different from like your verse, chorus, verse, like uh, bridge. You know, this is, this is crazy. You know what? Like I've known Toby since the fourth grade. I don't know if I've ever really talked about emo with him because yeah, emo is like almost one of those things like you don't really mention unless you see like a, <laughs> like a code, like, 
what's that like you like these guys or you're on my podcast which yeah, like, exactly. i can record this first part and just have it out like yeah <laughs> it's it's like do you then you start whispering like do you know who american football is you do right. and then then you then you like then you guys are like type four i didn't even know toby i would have introduced you to all that stuff but <laughs> essentially that's right you should i'll burn you i i wish we could still do mixtapes because that was like kind of like you still can. a huge part I, yeah i, I guess you can the, i still have a the methods of playing them so. i don't i have I'm, but really quickly tim you used to be in bands um mm-hmm. around this time if someone called you guys emo i looked you up on the is this band emo or not you're not in there so you're, you're, i can fix that yeah can you can you uh pass judgment on the band called man planet <laughs> two words or one word one uh, word. One word. One word is uh, P capitalized or lowercase? Yeah, P is lowercase. So man planet look okay got it okay <laughs> i will send this to the email council we'll, we'll do a quick vote and uh i'll i'll let you know okay what would you say called you an emo band i mean i wouldn't be offended i don't know I listen as long to as they go to your show you're like okay <laughs> yeah. i mean we, we we were i mean most of the bands i played in were we were, were always considered like unclassifiable in certain yeah. regards we always be like lumped into with the other weirdo bands that they didn't really know what to do with so we like we ended up like on we were on the road we had like there's so many times we show up to gigs like oh we're playing with wesley willis again because they didn't know who to put with wesley willis right. so it's like so here we are again this is fun <laughs> and i think some bands like kind of it's because they were kind of a they were allied to some more conventional emo bands they get lumped into i think i was like at the drive-in people are like they're they're emo, but I have no idea what they're even talking about. Like, well, you here's know. why the post hardcore side, like the history yeah. of hardcore and the touring of bands. I mean, Jimmy Eat World toured with that the drive in. Mm-hmm. Um, they understood it. They were part of it. They shared a label. So I think it's more than sound. There's a lot of just like that scene, you know. The and DIY, actually, someone like, yeah, yeah, someone just sent me a flyer. Uh, uh, one of the people in Rainer Maria sent me a flyer, and it was like Converge. Uh, you know, hardcore band, hardcore band, Raina Maria, you know, and it was like, that was normal to right. have these bands that were just, it was a singer songwriter, a hardcore band, a punk band, a metal band. It was just, it was normal. So I think that was part of it too, that I think at the drive-in did so many tours with those bands and uh, associated with Jade tree or mm-hmm. uh, equal vision did tours or even like victory um, or rev, you know, they, they were all kind of intersecting. So I feel like Tim, you're those shows. Like that's almost what I loved about it is that you oh, were yeah. going to see Wesley Willis. And then you got to see like a cool punk band because they were, buddies with whatever like that was the that's the excitement that i always loved about that time too oh yeah i mean i remember seeing like like a lot of sh- shows that would like it would be like a power violence band and then it'd be like Raina maria and then it'd be like you know it's like some weird like singer songwriter and like right. it was like everybody would be like engaged in every single one of the acts it was just like everybody was just like excited to see live music it was it was awesome i'll be an exception but like i was like jimmy world is emo because like i just heard them on uh, npr and i was like 
that doesn't sound like emo, but um, uh, I gosh, oh, I think man. they opened for Weezer or something back in Probably. you know two thousand or something. Weezer, yeah, another they, emo or not started, emo band. Weezer is definitely not. That well, is well, they had Pinkerton, right? I don't know no, that. that's not even. If you go do put Weezer in right now, and you can see what okay. the answer is about Pinkerton, Bob. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. Had enough of you so far. Is this emo? Is that a uh, an algorithm engine, or is that you making a judgment? That's the emo council. I said this earlier. Oh. So for Tim's okay. band, I'm going to send it to the council. It's it's okay. like I would say a group of people across labels, bands, um, in just sort of like to be again. The site is a joke. If right. Bob thinks they're emo and I don't, that's totally fine. It's more of a, a traffic driver to washed up emo for them to find the podcast. That's really what it is. It's sort <laughs> they of a, have a bone switch. to pick about Elk Alkaline Trio is sort of emo. The early no, they're not. years it's a punk of, band. Yeah. It's a punk I don't band. No, but the god damn it, like there's like there's punk. a lot of those songs like Are we gonna talk about the volume or do we need <laughs> oh, to I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Um I do have to say so Yes, I did really want to start. I did want to pick that fight a little bit, but I won't I'll be the bigger person. I'll, I'll no, accept the emo council. But now so, like uh, now that that I know there's this big debate, I want my band. Like, I want to submit my band too. Like, I'm really curious now. Like, are we emo or not? I can feel the weight of a thousand dreams coming down on me. Mm-hmm. It's the third day with Nikki. We're going north to do. There's a way to do it. There's a way to submit. I honestly, it, it's so much fun because I've found bands this way that have ended up getting signed. That have ended up to being like touring musicians from is this band submissions and then submissions to watch the female. I respond to every single email that I get of a kid sending in a song. And some of those have been like, oh, this is my first band. I'm like, this is trash, but I'm going to email them back and tell them keep going. And then they right. send me their next band. And now they're signed. So it's a very cool, like, it's fun to, again, it's fun to make a joke. It's fun to, you know, I'll probably make a really funny joke for Tim, probably give it four stars. Um, <laughs> but, I love it. it's, like, it's a thing where, you know, someone wants someone to respond to them. Someone wants them to hear their voice. And this is, you know, this is a place that they can get feedback um, about their, their stuff. And um, again, it doesn't matter if it is or not. It's more of like, I'm just glad you're creating something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that. That reminded me uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked to, uh, during our Point Break episode, um, our guest Sean was Great talking movie. about. movie. Oh, so good. Yeah. Sean was talking about how, like, just be nice to people. Even, like, anytime mm-hmm. someone asks you for feedback, just give them the positive feedback. And he, he was from experience on the other side. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's what they all want. And th- I think um, Connor talked about it on your uh, podcast with, with him. And I thought it was an excellent podcast. There's a couple things that really quickly and then we'll i promise we'll talk about pump up the volume <laughs> but connor i could tell he's from the midwest because that first joke that he gave to you about like oh i'm just going to tell him that he's horrible right like that's a midwest joke i was like ha, 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 ha. and <laughs> i just like uh I'm, i was never like a big bright eyes fan but like he just seemed like such just not out of anything i just never got around to listening to him but he was uh, uh i thought he was sounded like a really great dude and the whole time i was just like i want to be his friend and then when he was talking about 
really liking in casino out i was just like i want to be your friend now because i love in casino out but <laughs> uh but just so just uh dig that was an amazing interview it gets into a lot of the genre stuff that is really interesting maybe we'll get into it as we get a little bit farther into just being a, a teenager and identifying with stuff through this movie Right. And I would just say quickly that if you guys think of bands as we're going through, feel free to, you know, shout them out. I'll let Smoking you know. Popes. Smoking Pope's not emo. <laughs> kind of like. No, no. See, Bob, it can't be kind of. It's yes or no. <laughs> oh, man. You shot down. You shot down everybody from our home county. They're Smoking Pope's and Alkaline Trio, both from where Toby and Punk I bands. <laughs> Okay. I was just saying the, the thing about segue. Connor. Is the, yeah. I was just going to say a quick thing about Connor yeah. is you could tell he relaxed. You could yes. tell that this, I get, he, he was excited to talk about these bands because he doesn't get to say mineral or sunny day no. real estate in an interview. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was, I think it was really relaxing for him to be able to just be able to talk just like you are with Toby probably because you've known him for so long. You can just relax and sit down. And I think that's what's, I think the secret sauce with the show is that, um, I've either seen the band, known them for a long time, or know enough people to be able to have a, a conversation with them where it's, it turns into like, you know, uh, David Bazan being like, I've never thought about something like that before, or wait a minute. And it's just, that's when you start to have not the same interview. And that's what I get excited about. So Connor's the same thing. Feedback is coming back to me. Like I've never heard him talk about these things before. And mm-hmm. that's just, I'm so stoked that you dug it. And, uh, um, that's like, I think what makes this medium so fun is that they have a chance to do that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And with that, why don't you get the, hit the music, Toby. Got it. Sorry, I had a bunch of stuff to get off my chest, but let's get into this movie. Pump up the volume. I think Bob. I think Bob wants to come on and just <laughs> spar with me. Which I, no, Bob, no, if you no. want to try, let's do it. I think we have so much fun because I. Think, I love your. I already. I already know your age. I already know. Like I could. You could have not told me where you were from, and I could have like guessed all this stuff based on the band you're shouting out. So, like, if one comes in your head, Bob, and we're in between a pump up the volume thing, just shout it out. Okay. All right. I, I will. I will. <laughs> exactly. Um, we will have an emo showdown later, which is down to like <laughs> writing poetry or something. Just like really quickly. Just like, <laughs> all right. Um, Tom, why did you pick this movie? Okay. This is really me now. No more hiding. Listen, we're all worried. We're all in pain. That just, that comes with having eyes and with having ears. But just remember one thing. It can't get any worse. It can only get better. I mean, high school is the bottom. Being a teenager sucks, but that's the point. Surviving it is the whole point. Quitting is not going to make you strong. Living. This movie changed my life. Uh, 100%. um, I was obsessed with radio growing up as a kid. I used to record tapes of of songs off the college radio, uh, 90.1 WRUV in Burlington, Vermont. I would tape the songs. And of course, I didn't know when it was on or, you know, what was being played. And I always dreamed of being on the radio. And I actually had a fake radio station called WDHA. Uh, We don't have a transmitter. 
And it was just me in my room trying to do radio breaks and talking about what's next. I actually have the tapes. I actually digitize them and it's really crazy to listen back to, but seeing this movie, seeing the, what he had in his basement and you know, how he had all the equipment to be able to broadcast. I actually had a pirate radio station in high school that I broadcast from and it didn't go past the driveway, but uh, I knew that it, you know, it wasn't as far, but it really, it, it, I loved everything about it. And I think it's from a small town, you know, learning about music. It is in that hand to hand. I mean, you're in the lockers, you're hanging out with friends, they're sharing tapes. Um, and so it was just this moment where I just knew after seeing it, like, I want to be in music. I want to be on the radio. I want to share music that I'm into. And I loved that that was kind of one of the underlying things. So it really did. Uh, it started a huge uh, thing that's continues today. I mean, it's honestly, it continues this week with Spotify's new announcement, which is kind of crazy that the timing as well of this. Uh, so yes. Did I miss that? I'm sorry. What did Spotify? So last week, you know, they bought a company called anchor, right? Oh, they bought anchor. That was, no, that was like two years ago. They bought anchor and they paid and it was basically, uh, you could do that within anchor. So mm-hmm. I've been doing podcasts and music, um, for a while because you could, there's a backend way to do it within the, the system. You just have to have a bunch of browsers open and a cut. It's, it's actually super confusing. And then they announced this two weeks ago and I just started doing a show cause I was like, Oh, this is magical. So basically you can record breaks and then do music and then upload it and it plays it linearly. So it's, it's like, it's not a playlist where it'll shuffle, like for a free user, it will play it in order. And so I started WUER, Washed Up Emo Radio, thank you. Um, and I thought of that like right before I started. And I just thought like, how cool is this that now, you know, podcasts, you couldn't have music, you know, it's obviously rights issues and things. And so for someone now to be able to say, hey, I have this really great story about this song and then they could play it. Um, is really actually, I, I can't believe more people aren't talking about this. So if I was myself in high school thinking about this and then 20 years later, actually longer, I'm talking <laughs> to you guys about this movie and then Spotify just announced this and actually they're going to be featuring my show all week. And so it's just a, it's very full circle. And so there's something about localization. There's something about news and things that are important to you and your community versus the mass marketed, you know, everybody gets the same playlist and people are wanting that. That's why podcasts are so popular. Mine is literally about a small genre that, you know, no one cares about outside of, you know, a few people in the grand scheme of things, but it's this huge thing for those people. And I think you guys with your movies, like there's people that are obsessed. And so the, the heart, you know, happy Harry hard on from pump of the vine was doing the same thing because it was so local. So long story short, it's actually pretty groundbreaking that this is happening. And I think it's very funny that we're talking about pump up the volume at the same time. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw I, I, whatever your, your, your feed came up. I, I saw it. I didn't really click on it right there because I imagine it didn't have any smoking popes, but um, that's just, yeah. my own thing. Bob, I love you fighting back. By the way. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's interesting. Uh, so what did the rest of us think about pump up the volume? Toby? I mean, this is like, I don't think I remember my brothers talking about this uh, um, 
it, specifically the masturbation scene. I had never seen it before, but I, I never seen the, someone masturbate. Oh, yeah, oh in the movie. Oh, in the movie. Yeah. Sorry, my he, mic went out right before. Yeah, he, small like, town Illinois. We saw it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the first scene he's doing it, I'm like, oh yeah, that. That I remember my brothers walking around doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, that's what they picked up out of everything. They're just yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I could envision myself as like a teenager, just like falling in love with this movie and this having a huge like influence. So like I was into basketball. I love Hoosiers even to this day. Hoosiers. Oh my god, great so movie! Because awesome. I can see myself taking the shot and like um, uh, passing six times before. Oh you yeah, shoot. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So I liked it. Uh, it was, you know, amusing enough, um, held up well enough. It, it, Four it, stars from Toby. <laughs> these movies that are like vehicles. Amusing enough, dot, dot, dot. Pete Travers, Rolling Stone. Yeah. I think the movie, when movies become vehicles for the music too much, it kind of doesn't wear well with me. But um, And this one does that a little bit. But uh, overall, it was, you know, it was, it was good enough. I'll give it uh, three and a half stars out of five. Yeah. He gave a good caps. Jeez. That's a caps uh, recommendation right there. Uh, Tim, what do uh, you think? I hadn't seen this since I was younger, and I remember loving it a lot when I was younger. So seeing it now was, I don't know, I I, I thoroughly really enjoyed it. Uh, but I think it was like it was interesting because it was a lot that I didn't pick up on originally when I was younger, mm-hmm. I guess. Like I saw it like, I think when I was like in junior high, high school maybe. And so it was interesting now, especially how relevant a lot of the monologuing is in the current day. It was kind of shocking how well it held up. And there was, there was a lot of uh, interesting just characters that like I totally had forgotten about. And a lot of, I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a really fun rewatch. I was really happy we, that you picked this one. Yeah, it seemed like it was just a smidge ahead of where I think because Toby and I are the same age. I think Tim is too. Just a smidge too forward for us because I think I was still in I was still in junior high in 1990, and so basically what I took from Pump Up the Volume, I think I mentioned earlier, was I remember the last scene. I remember Samantha Mathis taking off her her sweater, you know, <laughs> and of course that's why I remembered. But you know, it's definitely interesting watching this again and also kind of thinking about stuff a little bit more broadly and we can get into that a little bit because there's so much of the backdrop that I thought was interesting, especially when talking about like Tipper Gar- core and the PM- PMRC and stuff like that. I love how it kept like escalating. So like, like first, <laughs> this is a mean gym teacher, then the principal's this evil wench. And then yeah. the head of the FCC shows <laughs> in the limousine, yeah. like in the limousine, like, like what? <laughs> It was like a Republican's dream, yeah. like or like like of course they're in the limousine, the government. <laughs> oh. uh, I would say though that like that a lot of the ideas and a lot of like the the fashion and stuff in it was kind of crazy because it's very nineties and it, being that it's nineteen ninety, it's it's kind of shocking because like usually it takes like a few years into a decade for you to get kind of like the kind of things that you think of for that decade, and the fact that it's like right at the right at the front end, it feels like it, it must have been just I mean really ahead of its time in a lot of the style and stuff that it had going for it. They got the first shipment of flannels and like <laughs> sweaters. And we had like the bowling shirt flannel combo yeah. thing that was going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Tim, did you want to go over what we saw? Well, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Uh, so I, like I said, 1990 pump up the volume. IMDB description says Mark runs a pirate radio station and causes an uproar when he speaks his mind and enthralls fellow teens. 
Uh, it was directed by Alan Moyle and also written by him. And uh, it was op- it says opening weekend was just a little over one and a half million, and it grossed U.S. worldwide with eleven and a half million. Uh, I think it was considered a bit of a flop in the box office, but it, it definitely found its audience in, on home video. Is kind of what I was reading about. It was released on August twenty second, nineteen ninety. And the top 10 films from that year were, number one, it was Ghost, then followed by Pretty Woman, Home Alone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hunt for Red October, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, Driving Miss Daisy, Dick Tracy, and Back to the Future Part 3, where Pump Up the Volume came in just under a movie called Henry and June. No idea. Uh, at 97, and just ahead of Opportunity Knox. While we're on the rink, is I also wanted to share like a few of the Billboard hits because this is a music theme movie. Oh, none yeah. of the songs, to my knowledge, none of the songs from this film made it onto the, the Billboard for that year. But um, uh, we're talking like Wilson Phillips, Sinead O'Connor, Belle DeVoe, Madonna. So very different. Uh, this, this the music in this film was like punk rock and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, way better. Very much- college radio hits kind of yeah and i think there's actually um i saw a keynote address by dave grohl at south by southwest it might have been 2016 or something he talks about because this is a year before nevermind comes out right yep 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 and that's what he's talking about i was like well here and he actually read out the billboard top 10 is like wilson films was number one and blah blah blah, and you know and it was kind of interesting how he was talking about and you can find this on on the, on the internet now about how they just kind of really stepped into this and found like a, a real segment of the teenage population that were just ready for something different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I was, like I was saying before the, the music rights of this film are all over the place and it was, it, which is why it's so hard to come by it nowadays. Uh, so much so that the beastie boys song that he plays uh, scenario was actually never released on an album. It was only featured in this film. So hmm. the soundtrack, I don't know if it was on there, but that's that's one of the sticking points is that to relicense that song and specifically they got it and, and now it's kind of stuck in this movie. Uh, but then the, the crazy thing is that uh, Kathy Nelson, is, she's the uh, the music supervisor on the film. Uh, if You probably don't know her, but she's, she's got like over 200 credits to her name, all huge films, and she's responsible for being the mu- music su- supervisor. Like her very first credit is Repo Man, which is a, phenomenal film in my opinion and has a great punk rock soundtrack but she's uh she's responsible for like working with like john cusack and she did a high fidelity and gross point blank she did uh, reservoir dogs and pulp fiction she's done all of edgar wright's films like scott pilgrim and hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and stuff and, and also she she did a uh, point break so i mean Ooh. she she's done a ton of films and especially movies that you think of soundtracks uh she's kind of like she's kind of a mastermind of that of like intertwining f- songs into films she's she's definitely one of the people that has pushed that in the industry so this film is just another one of those that she, like early in her career where she kind of incorporated uh the, the the music a lot the director had written in the Leonard Cohen song into the screenplay and he really wanted that uh even though the producers fought very hard against it but he won that battle because that was like just a huge part that had a lot of meaning to him and it really he wanted it in the film and then also just Alan Moyle, uh, he he had done a film earlier called Times Square, which is uh, uh, from 1980. It's about two homeless uh, younger women uh, in New York. And then it's it's all to the backdrop of a, the music of the time. So there's a lot of a very new wave and punk rock soundtrack to that film. Uh, but he had a lot of problems with the producers on that and they took it away from him. 
they cut out the kind of uh, the lesbian love story between the two main characters and they 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 cut a bunch of other music into it against his wishes and completely he says sanitized the film so much so that he swore off and said he would never make another movie again so it was it was 10 years between Times Square and pump up the volume when he finally met a producer who understood his vision and uh, that was a uh, Sally Stern or S- S- Sandy Stern but she was she got what he was going for and she helped him actually she co-wrote the movie with him she wrote the third act with him to kind of figure out how to end the story but because of the writers guild and she was a producer they couldn't give her credit i guess so she's like she's completely uncredited on writing the film and then Alan Moyle went on to do Empire Records, which is another music film that is very well, like well loved. But it was another film that he was sort of uh, removed later on, and the producers took it and changed what his vision was for the film. And he never made another big budgeted film after that, which is kind of crazy. He's got three very music driven films and three like very very spread apart throughout his career. And but only was able to make basically one movie, yeah, of what right. of what he's trying to say, which yeah. is pump, pump up the volume. And uh, he, he and he also isn't it true that he wouldn't have done this movie if he didn't find someone like perfect for the lead role that Christian Slater came in, right? Yeah, he he wanted John Cusack, I guess, early on, and then then but then when they met Christian Slater, he was like he read the script and he like agreed to be in the film there on the spot like which never never happens like you always like go through the agent but he he felt very passionate about what what the movie was and it was like the perfect thing f- that he f- to fit him and it's crazy because he was like i mean he was pretty hot at that time and he just had come off of heathers and uh, uh young guns two and a few other i mean there's like there's quite a few films that were pretty like notorious for him so i mean this was a big big jump for him but he was so passionate about it and even to this day i think he this is like the movie that he wants to be like his legacy is what yeah. I, kind of I've heard even more recently. Yeah, I've heard him like I, I saw some um during some of my research, I saw some interviews with him saying that he said this is the movie that, that he wants to be remembered by. Uh, yeah. I was thinking one one thing that sets this movie apart from other like coming of age things kind of is, is like it doesn't fall into the normal like uh stereotypical tropes of like fat kids and geeks and dweebs. They all kind of like like they don't even get into it. Like I, I was worried throughout the movie because they introduced the fat kid i was like oh no he's going to be picked on they didn't pick on him they yeah. you know and then the, the rebel guy becomes like the cool you know he's like the coolest guy and you're just like uh yeah i really liked th- that part or just that they they went that direction with it mm-hmm. yeah uh, another one other fun thing is that I, I didn't realize that this was one of early uh cliff martinez scores which i, I really love him a lot he's a f- fantastic composer also was like a, you know a kind of came out of the punk scene like he was a drummer for the weirdos and early on red hot chili peppers and stuff but he's done the sc- scores for like movies like drive and only god forgives and uh solaris i mean he's just like a f- phenomenal composer so this is like a very early one that he had done just after sex lies and videotape which is, i think is his very first score um, so it's kind of kind of crazy. I didn't realize that he was he was associated with this movie. And then there was a few fun little cameos like uh, the you had uh, Ahmed Zappa is like the one of the kind of punk kids uh, who Frank Zappa's son. And then uh, Frank Zappa's niece uh, is Lola Slohan, Slodan, which is like she was like the one main character's kind of friend, like wore like a lot of flowery dresses and stuff. But they, she she had tried out for the role and then Ahmed had just come along with her and they had they like hired them both as extras <laughs> on the film uh and then this i don't know if you guys noticed uh seth green 
is in yeah. this. Yes, I noticed <laughs> it's like 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 little baby Seth Green. It's yeah. like, and isn't there awesome. somebody else like John Cho? Uh yeah. maybe. I guess I missed that one. I I, I do the, the one thing was like the FCC guy in the limo. That's he's the dad from Teen Wolf, and that's like oh, yeah. I always picture him as the dad from Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah, he's in a ton of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of stuff. But that's like it's like, oh my god, I didn't I forgot he was I in only the- see him with full um beard. Like, <laughs> yeah. he turned, I only see him as that. So the whole time watching, I'm like, when's he gonna turn? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well and then the, the the English teacher too, I was like, was like, I recognize her, like her voice specifically. Like I can't we couldn't figure out what it was. I had to look her up. I was like, oh it's, she's the lead in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's, oh really that's crazy. She doesn't look at all like her, but like she's like, yeah, like that's the she's the lead like like love interest in the Little Shop of Horrors with Rick Moranis. Really? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I noticed the, um, the, the, the co-star, the girl, I can't remember her name right now, but like Samantha Mathis, yeah, I recognize her. I'm like, where do I know her from? And it's from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> He's in the hero episode when Larry trips and knocks over the guy who, the drunk guy on the plane. <laughs> He's like love interest in that episode. You got any other facts before that, you get that, that's, hits? that's the majority of what I found. Some fun, some fun stuff. I have a weird one from it. Okay. okay. I didn't realize like I was obsessed with outdoor lockers after watching this because I grew up in Vermont where everything's yeah. inside because yeah. it's fall, winter, spring, July. And so you guys are aware like in the Midwest. So I was like outdoor lockers. This is crazy. And so I think I was at a Taco Bell nearby where I am right now. And I was like, this looks really familiar. And I remember watching it tonight and going like, holy crap, it was shot in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. which I know you guys have that later, but I thought it was crazy. I'm actually in a town over from there. So when he goes to the postal thing, uh, when to do his mailbox, like the, all that stuff, I recognized all of it now um, it because uh, no, the, the one of the things next door is still there, but not the postal thing okay. from the, from the shot that they show. Uh, but all of it, like those were where I'm like running errands. Uh, so it's really weird um, because of COVID. I'm out here, not in LA proper. And I just, it was happened to be the same location that this movie was shot. So I thought that was really weird. You got to find that field to get the best uh, reception of the radio <laughs> broadcast. No, it's, I think they just use the school um, uh, football, field. football field. Yeah. 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 The, the chiropractor right next to the, yes. the mail. That's the one that's still there. You know what's crazy about the high school that they shot this at, Saugus, is in November 14th, 2019, a kid went in, shot somebody, and then killed himself. And so it's kind of crazy that there's like a tragedy in this movie with a kid killing himself. And then literally a year ago at that same high school, it's just kind of eerie a little Mm bit um, Mm -hmm. that like, like that's partly like like that was at the same school that they made it, you know, as Hubert Humphrey High. Um, It's actually Saugus High School in Santa Clarita. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I did read that the 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 kid killing himself was based off of a story or uh, something a, a tragedy that the director had as like a a kid that he knew in high oh, wow. school uh, was like really into like he had a printing press that he had made and he so he built he would make these zines and then distribute them in the high school and was like very like kind of like with well, the, the story is sort of based off of, of a kind of a combination of that kid and like the pirate radio stuff happening in like the in, in the UK and like the 60s and stuff but that oh, this wow. kid this kid was a huge influence on him and, un, and unfortunately the kid had t- taken his own life while they were going to high school and it like stuck with the director for a long time so they were he, wow. he wrote the story kind of based off of that well during that time in the late in the 1980s and 90s uh teen suicides were definitely on the rise overall like and statistically and that's kind of 
part of the backlash against like you know heavy metal or even dungeons and dragons and stuff is some of the parents just being worried about that they're seeing more and more kids like take their lives mm-hmm. you know um some other i guess more lighthearted hits uh the tapes that they show in the beginning Soundgarden, louder than love camper van Beho- beethoven the pixies and henry rollins and then one thing is hubert h humphrey high school in arizona <laughs> No, that was really weird. Yeah, that was weird too. <laughs> right, because I mean, you have to get happy, hard, hairy, yeah, hard I on it somehow. Yeah. I guess so, but it's, it's sort of like he's that, Toby. Did you want to go over it? Yeah. So, like, this is a thing. Like, um, in Teen Wolf, I can buy everything except for the basketball sequences. I'm like, that's not actual <laughs> basketball. And this, this name of this high school is the one thing in this movie. I'm like, I can buy everything except the title. So, Hubert Humphrey was the mayor of Minneapolis um, back in the day, and um, there's a story that he brokered a deal. He came in, and the the city was really corrupt and run by the mob in St. Paul, basically. And uh, he brokered a deal with the like 80 something dying year, uh, leader of the mob in St. Paul, where the uh, he basically goes, look, if you just like give me the police, I will not come after you. <laughs> like we're going to be cool. And apparently they made that deal. And Hubert is the one who cleaned up Minneapolis basically because he brokered that deal um, with the, the mob. Um, so uh, from there, he, uh, he well while he, after he was mayor he went into de- democratic politics in the state and in the minnesota we have a weird uh we're not the democratic party we're the democratic farm and labor party and that was partly hubert was one of the leaders of that movement to like merge those two parties into one um served 16 years in the u.s senate uh was the lead author of the civil rights act um uh, it was VP to Lyndon Johnson. Uh, he proposed making the Communist Party membership a fel- felony. <laughs> um, uh, of course, he lost to uh, Richard Nixon. Um, they received virtually the same number of uh, total votes, but uh, he got demolished in the Electoral College. Um, and he's not from Arizona. <laughs> yes, not from Arizona. During the 60s, their big uh, uh, politician, I believe, was Barry Goldwater. So it's kind yeah. of funny putting. Uh, yeah. Humphrey there, uh, but like, but like you said, like you can't really get Barry Goldwater. I don't know. You can't really get a good name, right? Butt grabber, butt grabber. <laughs> <laughs> That's really not really good. Uh, another interesting uh, thing is uh, during production, Christian Slater had his driver's license suspended for the second time in two years due to DUIs. And so that meant the uh, Alan Moyle had to retool the script accordingly. So that's why he walks everywhere because he had all these DUIs he couldn't drive. And so he tells his uh, listeners he has no car, no license, and he goes everywhere on foot. And that's why that final scene is his girlfriend, Nora, driving the Jeep while he is uh, doing his hard, hairy podcast. Um, I also had you a just said podcast, not broadcast. Oh, I love broadcast. That. Oh, no, I love that. Freudian yeah. slip. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was curious. Like smoking Pope's is Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I googled uh, "hard Harry" just because I was yeah. curious what would come Uh-oh. up. Surprise! Incognito or in your own browzer? <laughs> I tried in my own, and I tried incognito because I was worried. Okay, okay. just my own results yeah. would taint the result. <laughs> I think there's a knock at the door. My own. Yeah. His wife is like, "Hey, what's going on?" You're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so. Uh, but in both uh, both my own and Incognito, Hard Harry brings up this movie in number one and two, and then after that, our Harry Potter trivia. Did they call him Hard Harry? <laughs> like I don't Hard think Harry Potter trivia. 
Huh. This is getting dark again. No. Don't All go right, to page see. two. Do not go to page two. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hard Harry Potter. Uh, okay, let's segue, Toby. Let's try to get out of this. So let's get into the discussion. Um, so for this episode, I am pulling all the stops out. I've really tried today. Um, I'm not just like phoning it in. So <laughs> around each of the kind of the themes that I saw within the movie, I'm leading it off with a quote or a song lyric. They're not all emo song lyrics. I didn't go that crazy, but um, I did. Well, obviously, based on the in. band you've been saying, I'm glad. Yeah, because yeah, I was <laughs> just like, oh, <laughs> is Prince emo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. No one Bob, understands me. I, I had one more joke in me. It was there. I was waiting. So I, I, I know. Am I know. <sighs> okay. All right. So this is from a Prince song, Darling Nikki. I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in the hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. She said, she said, how'd you like to waste some time? And I could not resist when I saw little Nikki grind. So this is the 30th anniversary of the movie uh, this year. It's, it's also the 35th anniversary of Tipper Gore, the PMRC versus Frank Zappa, John Denver, and Dee Snyder. And it was all started it was all kicked off about like 35 years or so ago. Alan Tipper Gore's 11-year-old daughter bought Purple Rain, blasted Darling Nikki on the radio, and her mom, Tipper, noticed what they were talking about in the beginning. And This group is Metallica, and this is the way they promote themselves to their young fans in a teen magazine. Mm. They have just gone gold. That means that their albums have sold 500,000 copies. It's very significant in the mm. music industry. This is a man called Blackie Lawless, lead singer of a group called Wasp. His stage act has consisted of chaining a woman naked from the waist up to a torture rack and pretending to slit her throat. This is entertainment? This That's, is what our kids are looking at for entertainment? Yes. And I think it's time that adults uh, woke up to this what, fact. What, what does that tell you about this society? What does it tell you about our kids? Are we becoming so numbed as a, as a, as a generation that, that this doesn't affect us anymore? It doesn't affect our children? When I thought about this, like, oh, that is a part of the 80s, right? Where there's like, don't listen to heavy metal. Heavy metal is like the devil's music and all that kind of stuff. You had kind of the rise of right wing evangelical preachers who are like, well, if you take Stairway to Heaven... And I reverse thread the machine, and I'm going to play that exact piece of tape backwards now. Okay, okay just to... That you've not doctored I have it not doctored way. it in any way. All right, let's, let's go ahead and start. Okay. I live with Satan, exactly. And it, then you'll hear there's power in Satan. Yeah. Uh, like, kind of put it backwards. You can hear, like, hail Satan and stuff like that. It was <laughs> all over the place, you know? And I, I feel like, like Hard Harry is taking a stance against that and just telling the kids, like, look, like what you like. Um, to a certain extent, but I did want to kind of want to go around and ask people like, 
what's some music that you snuck past your parents and that they had no idea what it was? Toby, did you have anything? I was thinking when I was in uh, probably fifth grade, we would go over to um, Jenny's house, me and a few friends, and we would listen to Two Live Crew on her steps. <laughs> and and I, does this movie have a Two Live Crew song? There was a point where I was like, is that loot Two Live Crew? I don't know. I don't know if they did. I can't How about you, Tom? Uh, similar to Toby, I had the uh, uh, I ripped a two live crew tape from somebody, and so I had that, and that was obviously controversial. Now thinking about you know listening to what's top of the charts right now, that sounds very tame. So um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's interesting, you know the the time and changes of how those happen. But yeah, definitely two live crew, um, and I remember the parental advisory sticker. I remember that two records. I remember buying that had this happen. I remember uh, I wanted to get Warrant's record Cherry Pie. Oh and, yeah, and they has a parental advisory version, mm-hmm. and I remember that they wouldn't buy that one at Sam Goody, wherever the hell we were, and they we I had I had to buy it at Kmart um, because it was the censored version, and I was so pissed because the dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking rich you know thing is all screwed up. So uh, I was not happy about that. And one other one is I remember I bought Nirvana's Nevermind with my own money, and it was in the long box. Mm-hmm. And I remember just staring at it. We were driving home and my mom deadpans. Did you buy that because of the penis? Um, <laughs> and again, it was just so it wasn't it wasn't that she was mad about the music. It was it just she wanted to make conversation. And so it made me really laugh. I'll never forget it. And I was like, no, mom, this this record's going to change my life. And I want to play guitar and be in music for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. It's not because of the penis. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did. I Do you guys remember Slaughter Stick It To You? Remember that album? Of course, I totally bought Up that. All night, of the, sleep all day. Come on, yeah, I bought that because of the art because they had the lady with the you know the knives and stuff. So, Tom, do you see the where I'm kind of going for? Do you see like the kind of uh, ultimate clash between like the parents like trying to control information and the teens being the backdrop of this movie? Oh yeah, no, I think what I love is that this sort of like there, there's corruption and these people are actually rising up and saying this is wrong and they're aligning. And I think that's really cool. And I, I think the, I love that the certain teachers, you know, f- get behind it. The other people, even the, even the counselor guy was like, you know what? This is wrong. And mm-hmm. it's cool to, to f- know that even in your small town, there's these things that are happening that are serious. People are doing corruption. They're doing these bad things. And, and to see everybody come together for a common goal against a racist. I mean, the, you know, for the person at the school and hopefully everybody votes this year. And, <laughs> that will have this situation where they, you know, this is why it worked is because everyone worked together. I kind of love that backdrop. And um, there's so much going on, like the kicking people out because they're pregnant, uh, the dress code. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that guy Punker was awesome, man. Like, yeah. So it, it's a very, um, there's so, again, as Tim said earlier, you watch it today and you're kind of like, well, this nothing's really changed has it <laughs> yeah. right that opening monologue when it, like, it was like panning over the suburbs and he's talking about like somebody's rotten in america and we're on the verge yes. of in, like eating ourselves do you and ever get corrupt. the feeling that everything in america is fucked up do you ever get the feeling that everything in america is completely fucked up you know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying that's it forget it and think about it everything's polluted the environment the government the schools you name it yeah and i was like good lord man like i was like right away i'm like man this is way more relevant than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> right before an election too <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I, mean, I was thinking too like what what you just said tom like 
the even the dweeby uh the the school counselor who was like a bad guy for a while like had nuance um and the dad had nuance um i love when they find the the girl in the room (laughs) great yeah we're glad there's a girl in your room and you're not the dad's reaction is like, you've been a dirty or a bad dog, haven't you? It's like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I like, actually, I remember the dad's character a lot from like then mm. and now because of just like, he, he, he was such a, like a dork to his son, but he actually was really a good person and wanted to do right and, and wanted to. So I think every teenager is a piece of shit. I was of course, for certain things, everybody was. And so I think that's normal, that back and forth of not talking, slamming your door. But I loved that they like still, they believed him and in like, they trusted him, you know, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave. Like you're, you're telling your parents you're leaving a PTA meeting. Yes. Of course we know what he's going to do, but I loved that. They were like, okay, cool. Like there, it was this trust back and forth that I think, I don't know. I think it's deeper than people realize. I got a little depressed when I looked at the dad's hair and I was like, I have the same hair as he does. It's kind of thinning and wispy. I have glasses. And I was just like, Oh no. Oh no. Um, (laughs) so the 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 big pivotal point of the movie is definitely when the kid um in africa's name uh commits suicide so we know that mark isn't a hundred percent to blame for the kid's suicide but do you think he he should have done a little bit more is he a little to blame or no tom i don't think he is uh i think he was doing his shtick and they're like just those girls calling up and joking and you know everyone kind of was trying to get on the air and and do stuff and i think his perception was you know this was a joke but it obviously you know it's pivotal point in the movie changes everything like this is serious like what i'm saying out loud is is people are listening and i do have another i have a random story and it's five seconds long is that i remember i was really angry on twitter and i know you have an angry tweet later that you're going to show i said all this stuff and i regretted it and it's online and it's out there and I, a friend of mine who was very close to me, um, just, you know, called me and we were, I think we went out to dinner or something. He was like, dude, people listen to what you say. You're not just shouting into the void. Like people are responding. And so it, it's set again, no one killed themselves. It's not as serious as in this movie, but I understand that of like, wow, you, you have this platform and you need to respect it. And I think he obviously was so cocky, did whatever he wanted. And so it was a really, I think, a, I don't think it was his fault. 100 percent they seem the kid had some issues his parents weren't really listening you know um pro- but uh or maybe seeing some warning signs but yeah it definitely had a part of it but I, I felt he definitely felt horrible i mean the whole movie you saw his mood change after that right well he, he i mean he he was doing his shtick but then he he realized on the call that it was serious and changed like he dropped the shtick and tried to like get through to a certain extent until the kid right. was hung up and then I yeah mean, so like yeah he changed his tone too late. By that time, he the kid was already he was just right. shutting down. You know, mm-hmm. I heard it a little differently because my my wife has staffed um, suicide hotlines, and um, I don't know if this was intentional, but like they actually ask, like, "Do you have? How will you do it?" That's one of the questions yeah. they ask because if they can't answer that with specifics, then they assume that they're not going to do it. But if they're like, "No, I have a gun here. I'm going to." do x y and z then they then they take it more seriously mm-hmm. interesting yeah i feel it's a, it's it's definitely if there was a cringy moment that was one where I, uh, there's other places obviously during the movie it wasn't perfect but i think there's mm-hmm. a, that one part i was like it just i felt like there needed to have a little softer 
touch at some point, like, like you said, Tim, but like, or Toby, like right before they did it too late. Like mm-hmm. you should have, it seemed, but maybe again, he it's, it is a movie, but in terms of like real life stuff, like I would have hoped that he would have realized like, you're not calling a pirate radio station, but maybe he was that big. Maybe he didn't know where to call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, I mean, also like, I mean, it's it, like you were saying, like it was a foregone conclusion type of thing, but I do think that the, 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 the director did it like used some subtlety with like, they didn't show it graphically happen. You yeah, know, it right. just, it just like, you just see the phone go down and then it goes, cuts back to him. And then you find out the next day that it did happen. So I like, I think that like in, in another movie, with a, like, you know, another a, a filmmaker may have shown a graphic shot or like, you know, maybe shown like a blood splatter or a sound effect or something. Like that. They didn't do any of that, which I, I kind of like I, I appreciated that it's kind of subtlety. You're right. And you felt like that kid in that school because that's the whole thing. You're watching it just like, you know, you see someone hug and you're like, whoa, are they in a bubble? Um, this is like, whoa, isn't there texting? Isn't there, mm-hmm. you know, right. Twitter? It's like there was you went to school at 8 a.m. and found out the news of what happened. Yeah, I, I kind of. I mean, I definitely kind of like that. I've actually never told anybody this, but we used to vandalize stuff growing up. And I remember getting in the paper a couple times and my dad reading the news and being like, Tom, did you see last night? Uh, a couple of people were going down these roads. And I was like, oh my God, that was us. Um, and uh, so I, it's like, th- it was that slow. It wasn't. Mm. So I found an interesting piece of like sitting in that classroom and hearing the news because that's what that's what was going on. That wasn't as fast. Uh, so Rex Tillerson was uh, Donald Trump's first secretary of state, I think. Um, and What's he on now? 55? <laughs> exactly. He didn't, Rex Tillerson didn't have Twitter and he re- refused to get a Twitter account. And so he'd come in in the morning at 8 a.m. and he'd be like, okay, what did the president tweet? And the one day he came in and they're like, he tweeted, you've been fired. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh man, was that the first part part where Mark Hunter got an idea that he was as influential as he was? Like, I think that's I the think turning so. point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then for Tom, for for you, like, where is the most random place you saw your own washed up emo like like pop up that like blew your mind? Um, I mean, early on when Jim Atkins from Jimmy Eat World told me that he listened. Um, and it was during the episode and I pretty much like froze because I, again, it was 13 episodes in, I was like, what do you mean you listen? Like, are you (laughs) kidding? I've nerded out about you the entire time. Um, and so it's very, it's a, it was a surreal moment. And for me to be like, wow, people are realizing this. And even recently I've had artists reach out and say, Hey, thanks for doing what you're doing. People know about me or that. So it's that that was that was a huge watershed moment. Um, and also when Guy and Ian from Fugazi came on uh, to do the show, and I both did both of those in person. It was just one of those like crazy moments. And then people, you know, now do the show because they see that those guys have been on. Um, and so yeah, it's it was one of those. And then seeing the book, I mean, someone just sent me a photo from Japan that the book is there. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, how do you? How do you, what there's kid like there's a kid in Russia that I talked to his name's Andy and uh, he sends me all these emo Russian bands and it's like, I just, I kind of, my girlfriend makes fun of me. She's like, you're the king of a kingdom I've never heard of. And I kind of <laughs> love that because there's all these people that are really into it and they know who I am. And like even her coworkers or like bands would come by my office when I was working at labels and they would know me. And it was very, it was cool to have that level of connection because they trusted you. And I think Harry going back to the movie had those people's trust. He played awesome music. They shared it. 
and they were putting up his phrases all over the place because he was like in this movement. So I am nowhere. I'm not hard. You know, I'm not Mark in the movie. Um, people are not doing that. But I think the gospel of some of these things, when you have that trust with that listener, they're going to do what you say, or they're going to be more open to it. I think people forget that with the mass marketed radio, mass marketed TV, Sinclair publications, you know, all these things that if you realize, oh, wow, that was a PR press release that got right. everybody read at every Fox station. That's when I sort of, you know, it also gives me life for the podcast because I'm like, I want to be that independent voice that's not just the same old press release, the same podcast guest that goes on every show. Um, so long answer, but it, it, this movie is very influential in my life and like <laughs> why, I mean, literally I'm standing here with you guys um, is is part of this and there's so many subtleties to this. Like I didn't think it was going to hold up. Like I remember getting a couple movies around the same time, guys, and I was like, wow, this does not hold up. I'm going to delete this off my hard drive. I did not delete it off you know, pump up the volume. Next thing I got is from Hard Harry himself. You hear about some kid did something stupid. Something desperate. What possessed him? How could he do such a terrible thing? Well, come here. It's really quite simple, actually. Consider the life of a teenager. Huh? You have parents and teachers telling you what to do. You have movies, magazines, and TV telling you what to do, but you know what you have to do. Huh? Your job, your purpose is to get accepted, get a cute girlfriend, to think up something great to do for the rest of your life. What if you're confused and can't imagine a career? What if you're funny looking and you can't get a girlfriend? You see, no one wants to hear it. But the terrible secret is that being young is sometimes less fun than being dead. What struck me as I watched Pump Up the Volume this time was it kind of like made me, it kind of dredged up some of those like really intense feelings from back uh, from being a teenager, you know? So I, is that something that you guys kind of started remembering? It's not like it's, it's hard to explain, like in terms of just being able to just it's, it's like almost like you can, for lack of a better word, just sort of taste it again. You know, just that that pit of something like the sort of like I'm really unhappy about something or whatever you're going through this this big emotion because you know as a teenager you're just this huge just ball of emotions just pinging around everywhere. You know, did did this kind of watching this movie dig up some of those feelings? I know for me it did. Yeah, I there's an example in college where I actually have this show saved um, mm -hmm. where I was super upset about a girlfriend at the time. And I remember doing my show and it was like I had the same intro. I had the same beds and it was just I was just like, and that was this. And then I was like so monotone. I can't believe I recorded this show. <laughs> and I remembered that two uh, these high school kids listened to my show. And I remember playing Newfound Glory, which all I, the only reason I listened to it is because it was the dude from Shy Halud, um, the lead singer, his new band. And I remember playing it and they happened to come to town 
they were coming into where I was going to school in North Carolina. The kids called me that night and were like, hey, we want to go to the show. Like, can you drive us? They were high school kids. And this <laughs> is like before, I don't know, arresting people for doing this. And I remember being like, where do you guys live? Like, I'll pick you up. Like your parents cool with it. Like, and so that night where, and I brought up these feelings, like I'm doing this show I'm playing this music. I'm in my room by myself, but I'm at this show by myself. I just broke up with this girl, but then these kids are listening and called in and say, can you bring us to the show? And I brought them to the show. We ended up being friends and I still talk to them. Um, so it's just a, from like a, such a low point for this movie with those moments, but he's still, people are still taking something from it and you need to kind of have that hope. So that's what I remembered. Like even when I was super down, there was someone out there listening. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It, it definitely dug up. Yeah. A bunch of that, those kinds of like crazy feelings of like, yeah, just like, yeah, post high, or high school, post high school, like starting playing in bands and, you know, like just like, you know, trying to put like, book shows and put shows together and you know finding out that like all these people showed up and it's like oh wow it actually worked and people are actually listening like that's crazy right. like <laughs> when i when i when they he said that line like um the terrible secret is that being young is sometimes less fun than being dead that really resonated with me like i just i think it's a great line and like even today like i, I was feeling i've been feeling really low recently and um like yeah that's about right like <laughs> yeah put it like to me was like it is what it is and um you you guys remember toby i love you brought that up but i just want to bring the amount of smoking in this movie like i was coughing like did you guys have a like i kept drinking water thinking my throat hurt and i wasn't even in the movie shoot so there was so much smoking in between all these great quotes and and it was weird like the I mean, I, it must have been a sign of the, like the time, but like, like that must have been cool. Like, if you're smoking, you're yeah. and you, you know, you know, Christian Slater got sick. I read that. that yeah, he got, yeah, like sick from smoking so much. <laughs> yeah, too much nicotine just made him sick. I mean, yeah. this is like right around the time, like, like Dennis Leary put out that Cure for Cancer album yes. and all that stuff. And like, it was like, just like, was definitely like the smoking was like huge and you know just popular culture. Like, Tom, I know that you were defending Mark's parents. A little bit, but the whole time I know they're smoking like the, and drinking. Yeah, they're just sm- they're just smoking right and drinking wine at ten ten p.m. Right? I mean, do you guys remember the shows when they when you? I mean, New York City. I remember having sh- when I first moved there in two thousand. I had a sweatshirt that was just for shows because if you went to CBS, you stunk mm-hmm. and you had to like. And it was just I, I. It was so weird for be like, oh wait, there's a show and there's no smoking. It, mm-hmm. it just oh yeah. So weird. And so that probably the smoke in that living room probably was so normal then. And now we look at it like we look at someone hugging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, yeah, shows and like how much you just reek of cigarette smoke and sweat and stuff like that. And then just think about it's like, like, there's no way that we could have shows right now. Like, it's like like, you're just drenched walking out of the shows. Like, (laughs) it's like, God, it's so gross. I I remember, um, you know, as a singer playing those shows, like by the time yes. we at midnight, it was like, it was hard to even sing. Like mm-hmm. just because you were yelling over people talking to your buddies all night. You were drinking like secondhand smoke. Toby, you were wrecked <laughs> in the morning. And just like, Oh, you see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what I, I also thought was interesting that this movie is um, is comparing it to the other famous teen movies that came a little bit before it from John Hughes. Right. And they're all very famous. Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And so John Hughes movies 
they were ultimately very optimistic. At the end of the day, everyone ended up with a girlfriend. Everyone, you know, was happy somehow. Everything was going to work out. But I thought it was interesting at the end of this movie, Hard Harry gets arrested and gets just like he it's not really a happy ending. It's just he made the decision that he's just like, I'm going all in. I'm going to get arrested. Everyone listen up. It's not over yet. It's just the beginning. But it's up to you. I'm calling for every kid to seize the air. Steal it. It belongs to you. Speak out. They can't stop you. Find your voice and use it. Keep this thing going. Pick a name. Go on the air. It's your life. Take charge of it. Do it. Try it. Try anything. Spill your guts out. Say shit and fuck a million times if you want to. But you decide. Just fill the air. Steal it. Keep the air alive. I love this ending. Because I love that it doesn't work. I love that he kind of gives that shout out, talk hard. Um, and But he's like, you're responsible for your actions. Obviously, he wasn't allowed to do that. You know, they, it obviously wasn't, you know, FCC rolled in in a limo. Uh, and that is, uh, Toby, Toby, I'm like that with like anytime someone's playing guitar and I'm like, that's not a D. Yeah. And I'm the worst with continuity. I'm probably, if you guys ever need an annoying continuity guy for like a movie, (laughs) let me know. Um, But that, like, that was ridiculous. But I loved the way that it ended. And then he, it said something. And I think what stays and why I think some music stays and some movie stays is you see at the end during the credits what's happening. All those kids are doing their own radio shows. Mm. And that, like, I was like, that's me. I'm going to do one. I'm going to say what I feel. I'm going to, I want to tell people about these bands. So he did get arrested. It did have a, you know, he did, he was responsible for his actions, but he still, you know, said something that affected a lot of people and, you know, changed. And it was cool to, I loved that uh, ending part. Um, that was just yeah. everybody kind of talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say that it, it it's a, like a somewhat of a downer because he gets arrested, but that's, you know, more realistic because he would get arrested. Yeah. Uh, right. Especially with the amount of information about himself that he revealed over the air. It's like, wouldn't be hard for them to figure out who he was. No. And it, like the, the, the vocal thing that like sort of <laughs> changes, it didn't really change yeah. Yeah. vocals at all. Plus, you but know, like, Toby, FTC... did you have an issue with that? Did you have an issue with them being like, how do they not know it's him? Oh, I <laughs> with that when she like scratched it out <laughs> on the library i was like you idiot it's him yeah totally yeah. uh but i do i do agree that the 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 audio broadcast of all the different people's voices at the end it, it leaves it on an uplifting note i mean it's like because he made a difference and he like i mean it's like all over the the country or all over the world these people are like making their voices heard which is like it's a cool message to end on so like i mean it's sort of a downer but it's also like yeah it's like i think it's got i think it's a positive ending believe in you, Harry. Stay tough, man. You did great. Just forget it, man. We believe in you, Harry. Harry! We'll win it, man. We'll win you all the way. Talk hard! Yeah, 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 you know, your site. Um, no just, one was talking about what I wanted to talk about. I had to do it. And I might've been screaming to 10 people and you guys, we'd never meet, but it happened to be. And I feel like it's a, it's a really cool. I love that quote. I actually forgot about that quote. When you guys put that in there, I was really happy. 
Yeah. You know, I had a similar experience um, back when Bob and I played in a band here in the Twin Cities. Um, you know, nobody was writing any reviews about us. So I was like, I know how to make a website. I'm just going to start a music review site. And the first yeah. review I'm going to do is ours. So awesome. <laughs> And then the rest of it, he wrote about Tim's band. So, like, <laughs> right. what can he do? <laughs> this is a super niche website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know Toby at the time. I didn't know. I, I knew Bob. Oh, you but didn't? Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know Toby. And he did a, a review of one of my other bands. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> really I didn't oh, actually yeah. even know about it until we started recording the podcast. And he even read it. And I'm like, I do kind of remember hearing that or reading that article. How many stars? <laughs> He well, gave him kidding. five. Of course, Toby gave ten. Five. You you had like the most flattering like like lead in lines like they were like the hardest working band in the Twin Cities or something like that. And I was wow. like, wow, that's crazy. But it's yeah, it's a Twin City, so it's like the, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's a very small pool. <laughs> yeah, I used to say about the Twin Cities music scene because uh, I played in a band in L.A. in in L.A. the bands are tight as hell, but the music sucks. In Twin Cities, the music's fucking great, but the bands suck. <laughs> that's awesome that's the name of your book (laughs) so do you guys think that this movie was ahead of its time or of its time i've i've heard it described as both what do you guys think tim i say it's both i mean i think i think it is ahead of its time in a lot of the ideas or or at least like i guess yeah maybe of its time but i think that that the messaging and all that stuff is like we were saying is still super relevant today so i mean it 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 it's timeless in that regard, I guess. But I mean, some of the fashion and some of that stuff is like, I guess, coming back into fashion. So, <laughs> I wasn't as I wasn't as bummed about the fashion as I thought I would be. I think right. there's still that there's a guy in the in the high school right now with a leather jacket on. Like it's that's that's those are all normal. Um, it seemed like pretty representative of of that. But yeah, overall, it seemed like it is of the time. Like it is that's 90s. You know, there's no cell phones. I mean, I also kind of like that too, because anytime you see a, a movie with like a Blackberry or like, you know, a Palm Pilot, you're just like, oh man, it's dating it. But this was a little bit before where that maybe happened and the radio there's still radio people are mm-hmm. still listening to it it's just different ways so i, I kind of like how like tim said it kind of straddles both i, yeah, I also yeah. loved all the tape trading I thought oh, that was a, yes that was, that was really awesome <laughs> because that's like that's exactly how like stuff that like happened because absolutely you know, I, I wasn't really you know i didn't really learn about emo until i was out of high school before that it was all the uh, whatever's on the alternative radio out of chicago q101 uh so that you know obviously that's that is what it is you know like uh nirvana and alice and chains and Soundgarden. but it wasn't until like i ran into this just the guy that i was you know i went to community college with or something like that and all of a sudden he's just like hey you want you know, did you ever hear of this band called mineral or something no just like <laughs> like whoa it's, it's like almost like a virus like a good virus like a really good virus because all of a sudden then didn't you get infected and then all of a sudden i just that's one of the things i really miss about like tapes and all that kind of stuff because you 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 traded all this stuff and there's like such a high like you pe- there's people that you knew like just made great mixtapes and you're just like i can't wait to i just remember this random girl from McHenry, like she just made the best mixtapes i was just like i can't wait to get like one there you know like and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at all these bands. And then, and then so you kind of know, so you get infected out in like in a kind of smaller town. I think we're all come from smaller towns except for maybe Tim. And then you would take like a big drive into the big city, into the cool record store. And then you would like basically buy stuff because you, you're talking about trust. You trust this label. 
Mm-hmm. You start to make these connections, and pretty soon, before you know it, you just start learning a lot more. And maybe that's why stuff that it, like uh, the music that you get really into in your like early twenties and stuff kind of lasts forever because you put so much time and energy into being fans, right? I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I remember going, yeah, picking up all those zines and you know going through the, the like reading all the album reviews and then making notes and having always always having this list in my wallet of like records that i was hunting for do you guys yeah. recognize this very i don't do you remember this distribution company it was in philly and it was literally just pages and pages of reviews oh, oh yeah, yeah. and and it was you know there's ads for all the labels we all love and initial jade tree everything's in here but it was like you were like like you said tim like going on reviews or bob said like going to the record store and trusting like there there's a mineral you know review of their record uh for their seven inch in here and it's just like you read it now and you're like oh my god someone read three sentences and paid money for something that they've never heard or seen yeah Yeah. they drove an hour Back in the like yes. trip, two hours round trip to the outskirts of some city to this place to pay twenty bucks and drive home and hope yeah and hope it's going and then yeah. you convince yourself it's great anyway so you're like <laughs> <laughs> I know because you're not going to get there until next Saturday you might as well just be like well I got to listen to it again so Tom since the you started podcasting in two thousand. 11 how have podcasts changed during that time uh professional opinion or personal opinion (laughs) both because i know that you did professionally with it atlantic right you helped yeah i launched their yeah i launched atlantic's podcast network and then also warner music group's first podcast network uh aligning the globe and under one uh network it was crazy what happened i think personally um it was really fun early on i mean one of my first big fans was rishi um who does song exploder he reached out to me blindly and said hey i like your show but you need to do this you need to do this you need to get a better mic you need to do this i want to introduce you to someone at apple and it was crazy because it was like this constructive feedback community like hey i want to help you i can see that you're doing something cool and he told me all these little tricks and i've been on the charts ever since and he's been very helpful you know for that and so it was a felt like early on it felt like a community of like people just trying to figure it out and as the years have gone on and everyone says i want to do a podcast they do two of them and then they stop pod fading celebrity now with 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 spotify and apple and like having these names versus an actual idea or niche and it's very it feels like the netflix rush it feels like iHeartRadio's taken over and no offense i have friends that work there but it just it's i've went to a couple industry conferences you know the guy nick qua that does the newsletter hot pod mm, no it, it's like an industry podcast newsletter i've gone to a couple of his his things and i remember being at one and this woman was talking about her show and it was supposed to be very big and i asked a very simple question and it, i felt like i was at like a like a like a weird like and i asked what's your time listened because I just wanted to know, like, if you tell me you have 12,000 downloads or 20,000, how long are they listening? Because I think that's really interesting from an advertising perspective. She didn't know. And I got like people after being like, that was really crazy that you asked that. I was like, what do you mean? A question about like, it's like they want to like, it's all this hype. And so it used to be this community of helpful and comments and everyone's kind of like trying to like, I don't know. It's I'm happy that I want everyone to do an email podcast. I want everybody to, I want a million more. It doesn't matter. I, mine is very specific. So I'm happy that people are doing them, but it just, it got so celebrity 
and like so focused on like this you know, um, I remember meeting people and they were like, don't ever work for less than X amount. And I was like, where am I? I just want to do a show. And I guess money, like same thing with emo money came in, things changed. I needed to get with the program. And I've, I kind of decided to do it personally versus pursue professionally because I just, I felt more connected to it than trying to like chase something. Sorry if that was super long, but it no, just, no, I no. thought about that a lot. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, especially coming because I've been doing this for only about a year or so, you know, so I and I kind of wish I did this a lot longer ago to be able to ride, not not necessarily in terms of being popular, but also just seem like there's a lot more of a community. Now it's like everyone's really just sort of, I don't know how to explain it. It is just a rush of people scrambling, right? Everyone's scrambling. Everyone's like, I'll trade you a subscribe for a subscribe, a review for a review, and all this stuff. Never done an ad. Yeah. I've never done an ad. I mean, I've had sponsors on the show, but I've never yeah. like advertised my show. I've never told, like, paid something. And I think yeah. there's this validity when you guys are doing this in this community. And I think there's that feeling of like, you need to have a top 10 hit. You need to be on top 40 radio to be successful. No, yeah. But then there's a band like God of My Voices, you know, that never needed to do that. They could still just tour and be successful. So I think I remind myself that like, I don't need to be in the news. I just need to do my thing right. And it's hard because all around you, you just hear every, I mean, when I started going to family events and people were like, Hey, so what should I listen to? You know, it was like, they knew I was the podcast kid, the podcast guy in the family. What what should I listen to? And I'm like, Whoa, how does my aunt know what this is? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty weird. Yeah, and especially now with is I think with COVID and quarantine and podcasting is something that's accessible uh, accessible for people. And then if you're just like kind of like a I guess like so if you can say like a music, um, you know, say like if I was a band, I'm in this little indie thing kind of running around my little my little scene, and all of a sudden like Rob Lowe's like I wanted I'm going to form my own podcast band and stuff like, and all of a sudden they, it's just it's hard to. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. It just is what it is. It's like I put on YouTube today, and I saw Matthew McConaughey playing a guitar. Very or no, it was whoever played. Uh, uh, not Matthew, but the guy who uh, played um, in the Star Wars films, uh, Obi Wan, the uh, the Brit- McGregor. You McGregor. McGregor. Oh yeah, playing guitar, not particularly good. Three hundred seventy-five thousand <laughs> likes or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh... But that's okay. I think especially um I feel like I'm I'm doing less shows now, but like I but for the pre- first year, we did a bunch of movies. Once I took myself out of like the decision-making process because honestly, I don't have enough cachet for people to really care how much I like the raid. But I found doing something like this being introduced to something that I would ever have really thought about. Like, you know, Sean Benson was the first one that he's like, "Let's watch Point Break." So, like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." He chose pump pump up the volume that's interesting tim chose uh tucker and dale versus evil uh so i think we're getting we're getting to our niche we're getting there and now we just need need that's people what to come it is along. though yeah no i think that's what it is it's like yeah. mine is so simple artist for an hour and um it's we're having a conversation and it's evergreen you can listen to it 10 years from now 20 years from now mm-hmm. and a kid's gonna be like oh now i know about Guy from fugazi and rights of spring now i know and that's i think when you find that 
for you guys and you have with this, you know, format, like I really like this, I, you know, concept. That's why I, I was stoked to come on and chat. Cause I think it's, it's that that's, this is what this is about. It's not the celebrity idea and they're going to do it for six weeks and then stop. And it just, once they it start feels, working again or yeah. Right. It's, and again, it's, you find that, you know, people know I do them when I can, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's that trust with the audience and building that. So it's, it's, it's been hard, man. I think the last year, especially it's just, everyone's buying up everything and it's this hot new word. And I told, I will tell you this. I told the executives at all of the DSPs, the apples and Amazons and all those folks, like I was like, you're forgetting that you're forgetting why it's popular. You're forgetting why it became something of th- what it is. And it's, they're just, they're so hard on for gimlets and all the, you know, these bigger conglomerate things. And it's, it's just, can you find a niche for me again? Can you tell? Cause that's all we're looking yeah. for. That's why you get asked by your family members. What's a podcast to listen to, or what's a movie to watch? Cause you guys know. And so it's, or music for me, people want to know what I, you know, so it's, it's just kind of, it turns into the the dial that's not left it turns to be just everything pop <laughs> yeah i just want to be bought out so bad really like <laughs> just a, Dude, just a niche, next I year a niche. next year when they're like yeah we got a license pump up the volume episode uh oh, you gotta like, figure I'm out how here, to i'm here i'm here yeah i just want to give my opinions a little bit money but all that being Tom said, out. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be like 20 minutes of me talking about Alkaline Trio, how it's really kind of emo-ish and stuff like that. And Tom has no idea say that I'm on the show. Like that, <laughs> like that would be the kicker. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, can I tell you? Oh, go ahead, Toby. Uh, Tim, why do you do this show? This is a pretty big investment of time. I, I mean, I, I like talking about. I mean, like, like, like we were saying before. Like, I mean, I played in bands. I love music. I love movies. I love. And I love having conversations with people about all that stuff. Like I love recommending things. I love kind of getting a little nerdier and deep, deep dive into, into films and stuff. So like, it's partially that, I mean, I just like, I mean, like, especially now during the pandemic, like my day-to-day job was curating and programming films and then having conversations with people before and after them. So it's, it's like, you know, it's scratching that itch a little bit, I guess, partially. I I love that. I mean, I just, I, I love sharing stuff that I'm excited about and like, and having people come back like, oh, I watched this or I listened to this and I really liked it. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, well, here's a couple more things you should check out. Cause like there's, there's so much out there. <laughs> okay. I saw this tweet from you today. Oh, that was the, today. Was it today? A popular yeah, website no, writes it. about emo once everybody shares it. Those that write about it. Every day get largely ignored. Where where is the next era uh, era going to do to hear about independent slash DIY? Find your niche, keep digging, make your own noise. Did we just talk about that? Is that where it came out? Well, like what what precipitated this? Uh, so there's things that I think people share um, because of who the outlet is, um, and it has a cachet, even though it might be shallow. And I have friends at these places. There's people that I know, mm-hmm. but it just, it's just what happens. And I think I get frustrated when there's a great website out there, not necessarily mine, writing about things or writing about these things and no one will share it because they don't want to. And specifically with emo, they don't do it because of the word. Um, and it's, it's cool to say I was in this top 100 list, even though there's all these mistakes, there's all these errors in it. But like, it's almost like you can't say anything. It's like, you can't like, oh, well, there's 25 errors in this. Like you you look like a jerk. So it was just frustrating where it's like, I'm people are not just me. There's a lot of people um, outside of and labels and things. Just no one. It's it just, oh, but Rolling Stone wrote about it. 
oh, well, then I got to post it. I'm going to post it on everything and talk about it. And it's like, what has Rolling Stone done for this genre? Uh, other than give like, you know, Woodwater two stars or whatever it was (laughs) back in the day when Epitaph got one review. So Mm -hmm. um, it's just more of a like, I just want people and I kids that hit me up from the Philippines or anywhere. I just tell them like, find your friends that are into this and keep digging. Like you've got the internet, you know, Um, I had to go through a very, I had to go through a catalog, you know, Tim and I were all, we were all going to shows to try to find reading through the, you know, the distros and stuff. So, and it goes back to the book is make your own noise is a quote from a band called frail. They're from Philly. And I actually have an, an interview with one of the guys in the band that I'm editing. And that's a huge part of like, make your own noise. I love that. Cause it's, that goes back to pump up the volume. Like it really does guys. Like it just, it's this make, just do something. And I think yeah. when you're creating, you're meeting people, you're, um, because I got to meet you guys because of this. So I just want people to stop thinking that Rolling Stone is your, or pitchfork score or getting in uh, a magazine or a website is the, is the apex. It is not, right. uh, I want you to keep going. So that's, that's yes. the, uh, <laughs> 160 <laughs> characters or less. That's what that no, said. no, I get it. Cause I've seen those too. Like, Oh, here's Rolling Stones, like top 40 emo albums of all time. And they're just doing it just to get some clicks. Right. Cause they're going to, right. And know. I get, I, I can already yeah. do the top 10. And I think going back to what Tim said about like music, like we did a DJ night for nine years in New York mm-hmm. city. We did not have a publicist. You guys probably think about other nights that had publicists. And so we'd been doing it for so long and we got some press, we got village voice and paste and stuff. And, and then, you know, what ours was is like, I knew what to play. You know, if I saw the crowd, I could be like, I know what Coheed song when they want. I, I already right. know based on them screaming back about that Motion City soundtrack song. That song came out in this year. I know they're really going to like this song. And it's like, that is, that's, I love that. And I think you probably guys can do that with music and movies with your friends and other people. But that's where the niche, when you go to find the niche, you will find what you need versus just getting thrown absolute everything at you at once and you don't know what to do no one they just want you to ingest it all because they were told get impressions no i think that's really yeah. interesting because you're just it's it's a, the mentality is like serve up the people what what they're looking for not necessarily like uh in terms of being like look at how smart i am and stuff like that in terms of how you're presenting your podcast or website just being more of a resource and just trying to share the stuff that you know that they'll enjoy and maybe you know maybe branch off this way and introduce them to something that they might discover instead of just right. being more and, stuck in to be like this is this is the way to do be an emo fan and i have a hard time because you saw yeah. i was frustrated this morning and i have trouble with it and like i said earlier sometimes i get put my foot in my mouth but i'm so passionate about people wanting to know about this and i don't feel like a gatekeeper i feel like i just want to open the door for everybody and be like you want to tell me what you're into and i've had people email me and say like i used to like this band and now i like this band or we we premiered this band man dancing uh last week and on um, and i just did it because they sent me an email i thought there was a really cool song they made a great video the label told me they got called by all these labels like the following day and I was like, what? And they said they all referenced, you know, washed up emo or they saw it posted. And so it's crazy. So I know they're watching, but then when push comes to shove, do they mention me? No. Right. They're, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, I don't get a mention. It's like, yeah. it was just, it mad. Oh, I saw it on the internet. I don't know where I saw it. No, I, I'm the only one that posted about it. So <laughs> it's like, they don't want to, they, if it's, it's like, it's very interesting to see how people 
do those things. And that's when you start to see, like, I've been in the music biz for 20 years. There's, it's a very weird place and, uh, I'm happy to be still in it, but it's, I get super frustrated because I like that aspect of it. But then I get super frustrated because a kid, I'm thinking about a kid that just gets into it. Like what happens to him? What happens when he searches this band? And I hope that I'm that resource. You're listening to the aging hipster rewatch. So I really kind of wanted to ask everyone. So it seemed like Mark's parents back in the day, they're very similar to Mark. They were fighting against the system, but they're, now they're part of the system. So do you think ha, when you're looking at ourselves, have we lost some of that passion for change? Or do you think we're a little bit more mature and reasonable now? Toby? Well, both. Yeah, like like um, it sucks. Like, like kind of we're ground down by the system. Like we know we're finding the paths of least resistance. And that's what makes us lame as we get older, I think. Um, like my uncle Tim, when I was a kid, used to be a ball to be around. He'd be tickling us, chasing us. And then like, now he votes for Donald Trump. You know, you're just like, <laughs> just like yeah. even, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, but if you're a Trumpy, like, or a Biden, you know, it's just boring. <laughs> like, like, Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Tim? You saying like like just like losing that that like fire or or are you afraid of that or because I I definitely have felt in a different obviously a different place now they have three kids and married than when I was a rabble rouser <laughs> you know running through the streets of St Paul at the RNC like uh, <laughs> away from tear gas and stuff like that I'm not in, really in that mood anymore and now I have credit card debt that I'm worried about. But I want to think that I'm still want change. I haven't totally given up yet. I just can't do it in the same drastic ways, dramatic ways That's that well, but Mark I, can do. Out though, like we've given up, haven't we? Maybe we have. The reality is that we're never going to go to those protests again. Yeah, it's too damn tired or too <laughs> whatever. You know, like yeah. But I, I I'd say like if you're if you're doing the exact same thing as you were doing then, then you're you've become complacent as well because you're just doing you're just doing the exact same thing over and over again right like mm-hmm. i think that like i mean so i, I think it, it's it's kind of a complicated answer but i, I feel like I'm, i still have the drive to learn i still have the drive to like to try new things and to to uh, still express myself like i'm constantly like tr- taking up new art projects and new new projects to tr- try and drive myself to do new things and to to keep pushing myself and i still have like lots of ideas of things that i want to do so i still think i have that drive and, and i but yeah i mean as you get older you, you feel like you have less time and things like things like that but but i feel like if you were just still doing the exact same thing as you were doing in your 20s then like i don't know what's you're, like you're just like you're just just kind of running in place yeah but, but here's the thing like um when I was in my twenties, I was curious about really interesting things. You know what I'm curious about now is like, how do I replace the window in my basement? <laughs> right. Or, or Tom, do you think it's just maybe a fail? Like we're seeing each generation kind of fail to bring about the change that they're so passionate about. I think there, I think there's people in place. Like I think people forget about how local this is. And this honestly yeah. gets back to pump up the volume. Like if your local community is talking about the news as an issues, you realize that those have an effect on you versus the presidential election. Yes. Those have effects because of this, you know, other issues of, but your local Senator probably has more to do with your stoplight being out um, and not funding the roads being fixed or plowed 
because, and you don't realize it that you just think, oh, it just kind of happens. Like people don't realize how much those things. So local, like reading the news in the local town, like it, it really is this movie. Like if they were worrying about, like, no, nothing's going to help them other than doing it themselves in their town. And I think people sometimes forget that. I mean, all they want us to do is ingest more Netflix, worry about, take that check, um, you know, that they're getting and just sort of like coast and think everything's fine and everything isn't. Um, and I always, I've always had this passion, like where I can't not uh, do this. Like I uh, just, it's, it's just something inside of me where I'm, I'm unable to stop. And I love being that medium. I love being that sort of person. And I think it's, again, it's not changing the world. I mean, I worked in New York city at, during nine 11 and two weeks later we came back and we were like, why do we even work in music? Why do we, why are we even here? And we realized it made people happy. It made people think, and music does do that. Um, you can, you know, music is a huge changer. And I think a DJ is. And so Mark in this movie, you know, changed a lot. And I feel like there's, the, the voices you hear, like, I think at the end of the movie, like, I hope that people are maybe getting inspired this time around and realizing that it's closer to home than they realize. But don't don't uh, start any new podcast. I don't need any competition. <laughs> so I, what, what I need you guys to do is <laughs> I need you all to go to is this and type in your names for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and just keep sending me stuff. <laughs> no, so I. Yeah. You need to check it right now. I sent oh, it to the council yeah. while we were doing the podcast. Oh. Did you get my yeah. submission or what? <laughs> Did you want to, uh, Toby? It looks like you put in some of your song lyrics. Like, your- well, yeah, yeah. I was when I saw Mineral, uh, I thought of my second-rate lyric from the song Rockstar. It says, uh, "You used to want to be a star, but then you put down your guitar. You bought a mansion in the in the suburbs and became a major wanker." I love that, Toby. That's and that was about my brother uh, and and BJ Brunig's dad, Al Brunig, who used to play in a rock band, and now he's a fancy advertiser or something, and talks about likes and engagements on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> like, how boring is that? Like, and that's what I do too. I, I help people build the most, you know, websites, and not even interesting websites. <laughs> Yeah. The most boring of websites. Yeah. Consultant, freelance consultant websites, you know. Oh. Tim, did you look up Man Planet too? I did. Yes. You made it. Yeah. And he got shot down. He got denied not, by the emo council. Not an emo band, Space yeah. Rock. You should that send that to your uh your uh, bandmates or ex bandmates. <laughs> probably get it. Oh. So okay, everybody Atlanta. everybody made it to, Bob, did you see your entry? No, is it for Bob? I just put Bob. No, put your full name. Oh, you can put my name in there. Tim, put your full name. Toby, not, put your full name in. System. Is it one one word? It says it's not in our system. <laughs> Did you put your name in, Bob Serrano, <laughs> with with yeah. a space? We want every member of our audience are listening. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, did you spell my name right? Yeah, I t- I copied it right from the thing. I mean, the council did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing it in here. I think you're just like you're just doing this to take up like minutes of the time. Just like no, I'm dead serious. Is this, is just is this to teach me that I'm not worth anything? You're like no, keep on, keep on looking. It's like I'm not in here. I'm not in here. I'm I totally here. put you in here. Hold on. But I think I went to a meeting. Um, so there's this guy in town who's uh, doing something really interesting to me, and, and like I offered to build this website and but i went to the the first meeting with the greater team and i 
I was like a total asshole because like it was the most boring meeting. It was like your average business meeting. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I remember we, it was in this fancy fucking yard, but they, they lived on the fancy lake in Minnetonka or something. And, um, my, own, <laughs> my, my contribution was, um, I asked a question and the question was, <laughs> well, it wasn't even a question. It was, I thought there'd be more, uh, I thought there'd be more birdhouses here. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like, I was just like, like, I don't want to fucking talk to you people. Um, me trying to grasp at that's a real story but I, like i feel like i'm at the point now where i'm like i'm trying to like gr- get back to that mindset of this radio dj you know you need to start talking hard right we got I, sometimes i totally get it. sometimes even with this podcast i i'm sort of like oh guys i'm really behind it's only because i've spent the last five days playing video games <laughs> or like you know just like it's, it's, i'm making excuses like i you know like i'm playing civilization so have you sorry, guys, guys read the war of art uh, no Mm-mm. so this book i read it at the beginning of the um uh, pandemic and it's about like all these things that tell you to stop making art like mm-hmm. and it's actually it it got me to think like there's things during the day that will talk to you and say don't do that you just don't and, and it, it, obviously i still go and play red dead redemption all night sometimes and mm-hmm. i won't or but it, it it did have me think like you know you are like you don't need to beat yourself up, up about it but there are those triggers that sometimes you know even getting up to go to the bathroom or like another cup of water you're telling you keep going yourself like you know and you have to kind of fight those to be like no i'm going to finish this sheet that i have to finish um, it's different than work because work, you're kind of, you know, got the gun to your head. Um, uh, but this one is, it's more personal love. Like you guys all love doing this. You know, I'm going to have to check this out. I'm looking this up. It's from Stephen Pressfield. And I really enjoy that author. He did Gates of Fire, Tides of War, which are two amazing historical novels. They're about the, they're back in ancient Greece. The Gates of Fire is about the Battle of Thermopylae and Tides of War is about the Peloponnesian War. So I really like this guy. He also did Bagger Vance too. So this yeah. is interesting. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah and if, it's just a, it's it's when you were sitting here, kind of like frustrated, or we've been home, and like, but we, you guys, obviously love creating. You guys are making yeah. these things. You've been a DJ. Tim's doing two podcasts. Bob, you're producing this whole thing. Like you love it. Yeah. It's like you just get constantly told, like, stop. You know, yeah. it's just sit down and do nothing. And it's, it's hard to keep, no, I know. keep it up. No, totally. No, no I'm going to have to check this out. Thank you. you know, I, I just have to say thanks just in general, Tom, for even just agreeing to be on here as well. It's just like one of those things that does mean a lot. One thing I wonder if I may butt in about, um, it's like, is the, that when we become boring, is that because we stop pushing through the hard shit, um, like those, you know, oh, don't don't make art today, whatever your art is. Yeah. And, you know, then you get you 10 days, 100 days. Now you're at three years, six years because it is uh, making good art is it's the grind. You got to grind through it. I mean, I guys, I spent six hours editing today um, mm-hmm. for a show that I don't know, like a certain number of people are going to listen to it. But it's important for me because the guy that did it with me is going to listen or his yeah. mom's going to listen. Or I mean, going back to the book, John Bunch. Um, I had to re-edit his podcast because I did his last interview before he passed away. And I, I sent a book to his wife and she's like, I can't wait to give this to his, my, his son, Jack, you know, we're going to have this forever. I could have sold one book 
I could have come on this podcast and said, guys, I only sold one book and it's to John Bunch's wife. And those are those kind of like, you get excited and you want to keep going. It's like when you finish this show, you kind of got a little high, like you can't go to bed yet. And I think that's that thing that you like forget about right before you start. Cause you're like, Oh God, I have to do this. It's going to take two hours or so. And I have um, a confession. Like I almost called in sick today cause I'm sick and it's really fucking late. And I, I think I almost call in sick every time, but <laughs> tonight in particular, and I remember thinking like, I was like, fuck, if I don't do this, I'm going to let down Tim and Bob. I'm going to have to explain why I'm not coming. And, and I won't, whatever it is, I'm, I'm already feeling like I was depressed this whole week. And I'm like, like, I think I need to do this. This grind is like good for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it gets you into the zone where you're not necessarily thinking about all the stuff that necessarily going wrong. You're thinking about whatever this product that you're doing, even if it's something like, yeah, I think I totally understand about the editing thing. The editing is like one of those things where like, oh, man, I got to right. do this again. But then I get into like a routine. You're like, oh, this isn't so bad, <laughs> you know? And then, the, you know, but the yeah, definitely the editing is the worst out of all of this. Yeah, it's right. just and like, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. Um, I know people have producers and people are fancy pants and they pay someone to do it. But I did the interview. I know what happened. I know that the question seven minutes later actually applies to that question before. And I wanted to like, you're already, I'm, you guys are probably doing it while you're listening. Like you're like, oh, this part's going to be great. Or we're going to do this for that. So that that passion about it but yeah it takes a lot to get yourself up for it and toby i'm happy you did come on because yeah you know i think i love actually i loved uh that you're my continuity guy for this um because I, when i watch movies that's what i'm doing um whole time <laughs> judging and this, this isn't real uh um this is full of shit like there's no way this many people would be at this show right now or whatever it is so um th- those are like you know and then learning too like hearing other people's opinions and not just being in your own head the whole time. That's why I love the podcast that I do just because I just want to hear them talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, You guys are forced to hear me because you had me on, but most of the time I edit myself out. Like they don't, they don't need to hear my refused saves a day story again, but I need to tell the artist again because of a context for something else. But so I I got a last couple of quick things really quickly. These are fun. Number one, do we think hard Harry's, uh, radio program was any good and i say that because he would play music but he would just sing over the music <laughs> ruining the song so tim think, what do you think I, oh sorry go to oh. uh i mean i think there yeah i mean, the, the, I mean we're, well, we're only hearing snippets of it so okay. you know he probably was playing songs it seems like because the, the people are playing things back you know like you're hearing just the song playing uh but yeah, I mean it's rough around the edges. It's it's, it's DIY, you know, broadcasting. So I, I appreciate that. I pre- appreciate the uh, the the ridiculous formatting that he's doing. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? I think it's. I think he's totally legit with those guys sharing those tapes like it was, and his words on this on the school buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he. I think he had a pretty sick show and and kept people. I mean, they drove somewhere to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, what does anyone? drive anywhere well we can't drive anywhere for anything because we can't go anywhere but <laughs> you could would we drive somewhere to listen i don't know yeah. it's got to be pretty good yeah and i think i definitely would like it because i think like the um there's a great stuff you should know podcast about uh, pirate radio and so that's where this is coming this next bit's coming from but like um the the original pirate radio was a boat in the ocean broadcasting to britain and britain wouldn't allow anything but the bbc basically and they're like, no, we're only playing like old classical music here. And so the kids would all like 
go to to the shore and listen to it and who knows you know i'm sure they were playing like it probably wasn't the greatest quality or the djs were probably idiots and whatever but like they loved it you know that's a great story i love that yeah there's a movie there's a movie called pirate radio that's based off of those that kind of that era of the 60s pirate radio which was like i was saying it was like it was an inspiration for this film and any last open agenda topics before we say our goodbyes what other notes did I have? Uh, oh, Mark and Nora are definitely still together. She oh, that's loves, right. Oh, I she wanted loves to ask the that. badass. She loves yeah. the badass. I think he finally turned. I think I think they're still together. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that was my last thing. What happened to Mark and Nora? So they're still together. Mark is like now an environmental lawyer or something like that. Maybe, or, uh, or, or a podcaster. Like- He's a podcaster right now. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. He was like early, like 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 uh, Curry was, like super early in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just sold his uh, podcast to Spotify. No, and now he's he moved to Austin and built a new big house. Because um, Bob's when, in the mansion right now. Bob sold. Bob sold his. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Just please. I'm already in Austin, so I can do it less than Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> Toby, what what do you think, Mark and Nora? I think Nora, uh, I think they got married but got divorced because wow. Nora's kind of a head case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so 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 you, so you think Mark just had enough? I, th- I think they just kind of like flamed out, but like they still love each other. They're still friends. They're just like we just can't live together. I think Mark's uh, in like digital marketing, middle level management at some marketing agency in a city. Um, like his How dad. The volume fan fiction. That's what we're just <laughs> launching right now, guys. And Nora is happily married now to her second husband and is uh, mainly just garden. <laughs> just, she has a well, fantastic you, garden. Well, you that, really that, thought this pretty far out. Yeah, no kidding. Like, <laughs> second marriage and everything. <laughs> we oh, just started okay. a whole new podcast, Pumping the yeah. Fan Fiction. <laughs> And it's just Mark is a sad sack, just like you know, like a marketing executive, you know, wondering <laughs> what happened. He's still doing like he's he has like uh, it's so far in the future that he has dementia and he's still doing the show, but he doesn't <laughs> yeah. go anywhere. He still goes downstairs and turns on the middle finger, oh. but like nothing happens. It's just like an LED light in a box. Yeah, Mark, go downstairs. <laughs> yep, go downstairs and do your show. Have fun. <laughs> you know how they went? All the uh, TV signals went digital. This. Did did that free up all the bands? Could you like pirate some TV these days? No, I think they have to up until a certain point. Oh yeah, when did they switch? You're right, because they did have to switch on a certain date. Yeah, no, I mean it was a handful of years ago or something. And I don't know if they used I think they used a different bandwidth for that. So there's free air up there now to have to you pirate. guys ever watched like the point one or point two or point three of uh local channels? Yeah. Where it's like the Drew Carey show at two AM. Like yeah. <laughs> they do it all the time. They're better shows on those. They're better shows. <laughs> uh, uh, Benson and Benson or whatever, you know. Right. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere. Oh, yeah. Two thirty AM on a Tuesday. Yeah. Mr. Belvedere. I am in for twenty two minutes. Oh, yeah. One of the dot channels in Minneapolis is a game show network and it's all the old yeah, GSN. Game. Or yeah. not 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 GSN, Buzzer. Buzzer, yeah. Buzzer. Yeah, from like, you know, nineteen fifties, you know, just Weird shows. Smoking. Oh. Yeah. Good stuff. 
This is you guys are. Yeah, I like your show. Um, I checked out all the stuff, so I'm, I'm psyched that you guys had me on. And it's crazy how pump up with volume kind of applies to so much, literally at this moment. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tom. You're free to come on anytime. The doors open. Um, <laughs> if there's an opening on the email council, I may I may uh, accept. But it sounds like there's serious. I might uh, be forming like a, a different like little like like click within the email council, but that's we'll get there. We'll, that's we'll fine. Just work through it. That's fine. I mean, it it is the logo is the UN logo, so include <laughs> <laughs> everybody. But I really enjoyed having this conversation with you and with everybody, Tim, Toby. Thank you so much for being on as well, and thank you, listener, if you made it this far for listening to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. The show was written by Bob Serrano, Toby Crimes, and Tim Holly, produced by. And edited by Bob Serrano. The theme song was written by Kid Mental. Please check us out online. Join our Facebook group or go to www.theaginghipsternetwork.com. Once again, thank you and talk hard. Talk hard.